Blog Talk Radio. Welcome once again to the genie bottle out in cyberspace called Madame Perry Salon. I am your hostess, spiritual advisor, groove mistress, and cruise director, Madame Perry. But you can call me Jan, Jennifer, JP. I'm just happy to have you here. I am happy to be here. Um, You know, so many things are different. I'm wondering if people will come back and when they listen to this, you know, because podcasts, after they've gone out live, you can listen to them forever. Uh, some podcasts charge. I don't charge. I don't. Um, I try to keep that where it's free for the people. And I'm, I've got shows from a few years back that still get downloads occasionally. And, um, Sometimes I wonder if we should mention what we're all going through these days so that people in the future would go, why don't they talk? Why don't they visit each other? So, uh, Or maybe that's all we talk about. I don't know. But the point is we all still have some connection one way or the other, and that seems to be a big word in my mind lately, connection, and how we do it now in the time of COVID-19. But we'll get to all that later. First of all, let me say, Last night's guest, Victoria Price, a daughter of Vincent Price. Uh, she was a lot of fun here on the book, so you can still listen to that show again. Um, also, coming up, oh, Carolyn Levitt. Oh, my gosh, Carolyn Levitt was out of sight. Uh, her next book coming up is With or Without You. I just finished reading her latest, Cruel, Beautiful World. And it, and I also, while uh, learning about her, I didn't know she wrote or co-wrote a lot of the Wishbone books. You know, Wish, Wishbone the Dog? Um, that is, she just gets cooler and cooler. So, Carolyn Levitt, if you didn't listen to that, go back and check on that because she's she's marvelous. Also coming up soon, um, this Thursday night, Jim Musgrave. He writes all kinds of books, but he does a lot of um, historical mystery set in the late 19th century. Uh, some some bordering on steampunk. But he's got some comp tests coming up where you can either be a character in his book or you can speak. His books, um, his e-books are, how do I say, um, multi, uh, oh, the word will come back to me later. But anyway, he also has a lot of audio in there, music, and you can probably get a speaking part or even a singing part in his next book. Uh, if you listen, he'll have a contest for that. That's pretty cool. Also, next Thursday, the twenty—I think it's twenty-ninth. Um, Don Most—he's an actor, uh, director, singer. Sings very uh, Bobby Darren style kind of swing standard songs. He's going to be on next Thursday night, and I'm very excited about that. And if you're singing Don Most, do I know? How do I know him? Well, you probably first learned of him when he was went by Donnie Most when he played Ralph Mouth on Happy Days. Yeah, Ralph Mouth, he's still working, and his wife, a beautiful woman that he met when she was an actress on the set of Happy Days, uh, she's also an actor and I think a producer. So uh, maybe one day we'll get her on as well. But, yeah, Don Most, Donnie Most, Ralph Mouth, singer, actor, director, will be here on the 29th, and I'm super excited about that. And tonight, you know, we may not be able to go out and have fun like like we did, but I'm making sure there's fun for you right here, here in the genie bottle of Madame Perry Salon, because for some reason, I am the luckiest person to know so many fabulous people who very kindly agree to spend their time here with us in our in our little virtual uh, salon. So tonight's the twofer. Tonight is extra special. Um, Matt Coyle, author of the best-selling Rick Cahill crime novels. He's been on here two, maybe three times before. He is so much fun. Uh, very, very, um, very Raymond Chandler type, like a modern-day Raymond Chandler, kind of a crime noir, 
very cool books. And uh, anyway, he'll be here a little bit later. But first, my first guest and my fascinating co-host for the evening uh, is writer. Um, she's a semifinalist in numerous book prizes. Uh, she's been featured in several anthologies. She travels a lot and reads her poetry publicly uh, at different events. She's very, very popular. And now tonight she's going to talk about I am, and I am so excited to finally, finally see this. As many times as I've seen her, and as long as I've been a fan, tonight she's going to join us to discuss her first full-length collection of poetry. It's called "Slide to Unlock." I am thrilled to introduce Julie E. Blomacky. Julie, welcome to Madame Perry's Salon. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I well, really appreciate you, you inviting. Me. Well, you are quite welcome. I hope you're comfortable in here. We tried to get all the all the cushions fluffed up here in the genie bottle. Uh, you know, several <laughs> of your friends several of your friends have been here before, and uh, they've always left the place nice, like our beloved friend Colin and uh, Karen yes. Head. All your buddies have been here, or a lot of them. And so, finally, I get you. You know, I don't remember the exact <laughs> year that I first got to meet you in person. But, and I don't know if you remember this, but it was during the Decatur Book Festival. And I think it was the last day. It was a Sunday because it's always on Labor Day weekend, and it's a huge book festival. Even Carolyn Levitt, who, Levitt, who was here, said she was uh, a part of it a few years ago. Um, but it was the last day, and Colin Kelly and I think Cleo Creech and you all let me tag along with you to Ted's Montana Grill for dinner. Oh, yes. I do remember that now. I was I was thinking the first time I met you because didn't you also come to the reading that we did for the Ugly Mug in Orange, California? I didn't make it to California. You're not thinking okay, of uh, okay. Vanessa, are thinking. you? <laughs> No, I don't know. Maybe or, or, I'm getting transposed. I, I tend sometimes, you know, pre and post reading to get a little uh, befuddled about about faces and names. So my forgiveness. But, yes, I do remember uh, Ted's Montana Grill, though. That And that was quite a while ago. That would have been really early on in the Decatur Book Festival years for me. Yeah, and then I think I've seen you at the Georgia Center for the Book. Too, oh yeah, maybe. But a, hey, a if, you, if you associate me with the with the thing in California, hey, that's fun too. I just like, I, <laughs> I, I think, okay, good. She associates me with cool, fun places. That's just perfectly fine. That's right. So, <laughs> and, well, and it's one of anyway. my favorite places to read. So, yes. Oh, gosh. and you know, there's something we're going to talk about too at different places to read and how things have changed slightly and hopefully only temporarily but first of all let me say congratulations on slide to unlock i believe it's published through sibling rivalry press correct yes thank you so much oh you're quite welcome and i believe that a brian borland is the owner yes brian borland and seth tennyson yeah Mm mm-hmm Yes. Okay. I think I met Brian at Center for the Book one time when he was in town. So, um, yes. Magnificent. I was just so happy when I heard that this was coming because I thought, okay, Julie is overdue for this. I mean, I know you're busy. You're definitely not <laughs> slapping. You're a busy woman. So, <laughs> tell me about about Slide to Unlock. Um, what is the, the is there an overall theme to the collection? in this book and so introduce us to it tell us please yes absolutely well so um it's been about a decade in the making um and it's a manuscript that is essentially based in questioning our relationship and our boundaries of intimacy with technology um so looking at how our well, exploring really how our behavior has changed, how our communication has changed because of apps and social media, but also because of text and email 
and the slow fade of the art of writing letters. Um, and I've been fascinated by how we are navigating this um, really for the first time in human history. And I kind of haven't been able to let go of it. So um, that's been about the last 10 years. There is also uh, a narrative arc that takes place in the book. Um, there is a talisman painting um, that appears in a number of ekphrastic poems. And that is my uh, love song or my love letter to the town that I grew up in, which is Toledo, Ohio. And um, I grew up going to the Toledo Museum of Art, which was founded by Edward Drummond Libby and Florence Scott Libby. And the way that it was founded was with the idea that it would be a museum for the community. In fact, some of the... um, museum was built uh, with pennies that were collected from school children because they wanted there to be a sense of ownership in Toledo about the collection there. And so Hmm. the way that they set up the endowment, anyone could come to the museum and not have to pay a fee. And it is still like that to this day. They they really believed that, you know, a collection of art should be for all people. Um, and they were very inclusive about that, and that's a big part of the spirit that's there at the museum. So as a uh, young girl um, in high school, <laughs> one of the things that I would do once I was able to drive is sneak off to the museum and just go and sit with the collection. And there were um, a couple paintings in particular that really meant a lot to me. And at that point, I was still trying to determine, well, I guess in our whole lives we're trying to determine you know, who we are. Um, But part of what I knew was that I was an artist in some way, but I didn't know what that meant. But I knew when I went to the museum that it was home to me. And so I developed this rather sacred relationship with that spot and those paintings. And as I was working on the book, I kept coming back um, to those memories. And I've been really captivated by ekphrastic poetry, which is – for those that aren't aware about that term, it, it's a Greek term that means written in response to, essentially. So it's uh, a poem written in response to uh, painting or sculpture or photography. Um, and so as I was working on this book and working on these ekphrastic poems, I realized that it was this kind of secret love letter to the city that I grew up in and to this museum. So that serves as a narrative arc in the book. So it's about connection. You know, digital connection through the telephone and letters, but it's also large, more in a more large space about our connection to how we see. So, you know, sitting in front of a painting, how we see and resonate with art. So somehow that all worked together <laughs> and became a collection of <laughs> That That is magnificent. Um, and I like, like the, uh, the whole... The, I like the blend of the uh, the family. I mean, think of your hometown, Toledo, Ohio. Toledo, Ohio, um, your hometown, like a love letter to the hometown. And because the Libbies wanted this uh, museum to be owned by the city, I mean, to me, that's a love letter in itself. You know, absolutely amplified. Yeah. And then, oh, well, yeah, I know you had the soul of it. Oh, I, I'm go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, but speaking of letters, so Edward, I, I'm reading, uh, actually, I've been reading a biography of Edward Drummond Libby, and he asked after his death that all of his letters be destroyed. So there's yet another uh, level of mystery um, to all of this. We all, we have to wonder ah. why that's the case. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was say, well, I was just going to say that. Yeah, that is another yeah mystery altogether. I was going to say that you obviously yeah. did have the uh, the soul of an artist, a poet. You knew because when a teenager gets their first chance to drive a car off somewhere and they head to the museum every time, you know that is where that is where your soul is begging to be. It's going, no, this is my home. This is right. my home. I belong here <laughs> among art, among beautiful things, above expressing every type of emotion, either through the words or, or the uh, paint or the work. And, and your soul was just longing, get me home, get me home, get me to my place. So 
Yeah, you knew absolutely. where you belonged. Absolutely. And I think there was, I mean, I was a teenager. I wasn't always going to the museum, but, you know, that's, those are stories for another time. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, we'll keep that for the later shows, okay, later, late yeah, night. Yeah, that's right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> maybe with another book or something. But, yeah, yeah, right, but right now we'll just keep it, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is good. Um, would you, would you, Mind reading something to us from Slide to Unlock? No, I, w- I would be thrilled to. Um, in fact, I yes. I thought uh, usually I I jump in with a poem um, right about technology, but I think because we are on the radio on the air, um, I wanted to to open with something a little bit different. So uh, I did want to say also quickly about the title um, because some people have said, you know, where does that title come from? Um, if you are familiar with iPhone language, digital language, it is the three words that were the entry screen to open the iPhone from 2007 to 2016. And I was fascinated by them because it's a command. I mean, it's really the phone telling us what to do. Side to one. Yeah. So. Um, but because we're on the radio, I'm going to read something a little bit different. And um, one of the first ways that I fell in love with words was through music. And one of the the voices that I fell in love with was uh, Donna Summer. And uh, <gasps> I wrote home as a bit of uh, a love letter to her also because it was her um, – inflections and her passion behind the words and her pauses and her moans and all of it as part of the song that made me understand just how at a very early age, how language could operate on different levels. Um, And because of course she has the song on the radio, I thought that this would be great uh, to open with. So um, this is letters on the air. I feel love and it's after Donna summer. Um, And I, I, should say usually in a reading type situation when I get through this poem I don't usually mention this but I will today um, but she did pass away on my 40th birthday which is really interesting so there's a oh. there's a deep connection with her so um, and if you know Donna Summer's songs you will hear in the poem um, there are lyrics from about six different songs in here and there's a footnote in the book about that but I, I won't read that now so okay this is letters on the air I feel love after Donna Summer. Try me, fill me. I know, I know, I know, I know. Green lamp, swag spin, sunken living room, pillar votive, burning, burning to don't touch. Shadows, he sits, orange pinpoint flare, darkness, smoke curl smell. I stand on the coffee table. He does not stop me with language. I break every rule. I break every line. I jump. He talks. Not to say no. Not to say yes. To say listen. To ask what is really left in the rain. I say the cake. I say her umbrella. No. I say mid-spin her heart. I clink in the drink. Think, he says. Think. I see her yellow dress, I hear her run for a man she loves, no longing. I don't know, yes. But she is running, and I climb, jump. The lid rattles on the glass jar. I jump, I spin, I spin to fall. I get up. Thick shift of room. The flexing light. My shadows on the wall, a disco. I feel love. I feel love. This flare spin. I'm bad. I'm so, so bad. The imagined man in the chair. Think. Another word for muse. This voice that makes me. It's so good. It's so good. And already this young, I am bad. Bad because even though I do not know, I know. I can, I will, I will make this song mine at 17. I will have my question too. I will take this body and torment it with memory, regret. I will be so, so bad in how I want. Me who has the cake, the rain, 
the yellow dress, the man to run for, the letter from the overcoat. Why isn't it enough? Come on, baby. Dance that dance. I fall down. I and the cake, the rain, the recipe in your hand, your hand, these letters on the air. Ooh. All right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was caught well, up in it there. I did I wasn't I was caught up in it. Um that's well, okay. you know, I, that's, I've got to, that's the hope. I gotta tell you this. You know, two years ago Bruce Sudano was on the show here. And maybe mm-hmm. Bruce. Um he was Donna Summers' uh husband. Oh, and, really? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he was on here, I think it was a couple of years ago when he had a CD. But he's got a, uh, when, he, when he had just put out the CD. And sometimes we do play his version of, it's an acoustic version of him doing Bad Girls. And uh, oh, I play that wow. occasionally on here. And he's got a new CD, um, so he's going to come back. But would you mind if I shared that with him? Not, oh, gosh, not at all. Okay. I would be. Oh, I would be. I, honest, I, I'm. I'm just in shock. <laughs> so. No, I would. I would be happy to do. It. Well, his manager is a good friend of mine. That's how you know she brought him on the show first. So, um, so yeah, I would love to have him back anyway, and I would love to have back to this. I, I oh, was. Uh, I just. I was feeling like, what if Bruce was sitting beside me? What would he say? You know, and I. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! I might be terrified. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I, I could just I could just feel him talking to me, going, you know, just sitting nodding, kind of kind of bobbing. So yeah, I would love to share this with Bruce, and I will definitely. Um, oh, thank you so ooh, much. Kind of got a little got a little rush there. Um, wow, <laughs> that must be Donna too. Um, your poems have been featured in so many places. I'm just going to read a few of these on the list, and these are pretty prestigious. Uh, uh, publications, uh, the oh, Bridge A, Chautauqua Literary Journal, Crab Orchard Review, Cortland Review, um, let's see, is, uh, Gulf Coast, the James Dickey Review, oh, I, I like the name of this one, Muse, a journal, Nas- oh, Nasty mm-hmm. Women Poets, that's my favorite title, Nasty Women Poets, <laughs> yes, um, an unapologetic yes. anthology of subversive verse. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. South Dakota Review, Prairie Schooner. I mean, just and and there are a lot more of here, folks, that I'm not even reading. Uh, she's got quite a quite. You've got well, quite a body of work in several different uh, publications. If I could just read, uh, this is one of the praise for a slide to unlock from uh, Jane Hirschfeld, who's the author of The Beauty. Um, it says, is it possible for a lyric poet to bring the rawest complications of the adult heart, an orchestra conductor's authority of syntax, a pristinely liberating imagination, and a virtual mixtape range of voices, reference, and places together into a single, unified, seemingly narrative, utterly dazzling whole? Julie E. Blomicky's slide to unlock confirms it is. So yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, go, if you were going to read another yeah. one, let's oh sure, read yeah. another well, please. I, I I should say too that uh, Cortland Review and uh, the editor there, Christian Goulet, they were so wonderful because they published the um, the Donna Summer poem um, and worked with me on that. So that that was just such a great experience, and I did um, a recording for them. Um, so I was I was kind of Oh, nice! In my closet, <laughs> getting everybody away so I could get the right, you know, the right silence level and practicing this. And I went back and forth. You know, do I do I sing these lyrics? Do I not sing? Cause I can't sing at all. You really, you honestly, do not want me to sing. And uh, so it was, it was a good experience. And then um, Jane Hirschfield, in fact, um, has a new book out, Ledger, which is. Fantastic. I'm only uh, a little bit way of the way through it. Um, I'm kind of savoring every poem because when a new book of hers comes out, I'm just overjoyed. And uh, tomorrow night, she and Naomi Shahib Nye, 
uh, and uh, Joy Harjo are all reading um, in celebration for the 50th anniversary Earth Day on uh, the Wednesday Night Poetry Series, which is curated by Kai Coggin. So it is going to be a fantastic mm-hmm. night tomorrow. So I just wanted to uh-huh. go ahead and mention that. As well. Yes. Um, okay, great. We'll make sure okay. we, uh, we share yeah. Yes, definitely. Um, okay, so um, I thought I might also read the title poem of the collection because it uh, gives an, a window into uh, the beginning of the experience. It's kind of the hand extended out inviting uh, readers in. So this is Slide to Unlock, and the um, epigraph is after the iPhone entry screen, 2007 to 2016. Hot in the present tense, we are continuously poised to receive its three-word command, the insistence we open with a fall. Slide. Involuntary, we unknowingly slip into habit, pass our print from left to right, unaware of what uninvited light will bow our heads. When this trinity opens our bodies, we respond with our curious hands. Call expects an answer, a dark screen, a touch. We are undone by the promise of resolution, temptation. Once we could depend on the corded spiral of miles, delay ourselves with the orbit of finger wheel, change the exchange with a switch hook. We could even leave the rotary to ring, unheard in the absence. Then we housed it for distance, carving an alcove into the wall. Hold the line, we said. Now we are keyed constant, pocketing names, waking to flashes, feeling through the dark before we open our eyes, ourselves carrying the call of possible. There is no signal to prepare us for the arrival of that unresolved name, its bright trick of letters. It arrives after decades of silence, a demand for an answer so pressing it stings a vibration, its invisible stigmata left in our unsuspecting palms, an irrevocable consequence of reach out and touch someone. Oh, yeah. All right, girl, I'm with you. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Listen. Oh, okay. All right. By the way, I'm about, we've got, we're about to bring in, uh, we're about to bring in somebody special here within about two minutes. But first, I've got to make sure that I keep the show free for everybody. And uh, I've got a little sure. promo to do. I'll be back. By the way, if you're listening live and you want to talk to Julie E. Blomicky or Matt Coyle, uh, the number to call is 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. And for the people who, well, can't make a phone call because, you know, sometimes, you know, Julie, sometimes you're at a job or you're babysitting or something. You can't make a phone call, but you got to. Get something in. You can always message me uh, through Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or on uh, Jennifer Maudette Perry. And in fact, I'll be sending you a little message um, while I'm on this little break here. But and then we'll be back with Matt Coyle, crime writer Matt Coyle from La Jolla, California. <laughs> but but first, um, this is from a sponsor. Her name is Lucienne Petit Jackson. And uh, she wrote books. Uh, wrote a book about uh, called Thriller about growing up as the uh, secret child of Michael Jackson. Saben, en mi libro Thriller, el lado oscuro de Holanda, hablo por primera vez de mi secuestro. Muchas personas se burlan de que afirme que Michael Jackson es mi padre, pero de lo que ellas no saben es cuánto fue mi afectación por culpa del secuestro. ...y cuánto he sufrido por ello. ¿Saben? De las personas que fueron asesinadas la noche en la que fui secuestrada. Los medios se burlan de esto. Pero el hecho es que todavía lo recuerdo... 
Tenía como ocho años de edad y las personas fueron asesinadas frente a mí de diferentes maneras. Aún recuerdo que caminé pisando la sangre. Así pues, titula mis libros Thriller Traición y Thriller El Lado Oscuro de Holanda. No porque me guste la palabra thriller, sino porque realmente viví un thriller y estoy contenta de haberlo superado. All right. Yes, I was in Spanish, but she's published in seven different languages. And because my listeners are all over the world, uh, that's what the stats tell me anyway. So I want to make sure I share all of her promos. But another thing is, if you were listening week before last, my guest was Kyle Mayberry, sports agent and CEO of TrueAthletics.com. Uh, some people have asked me how to and what kind of special we have. You know, sometimes my guests have specials. By the way, another question I can't, that popped up, the book uh, Let's Go about Benjamin Orr of the Cars by Joe Milliken. Joe was on. He gave away a book. And, um, and yes, there was a winner, and I played the uh, video for uh, by Frank Greenfield drawing for the winner. So, yes, somebody did win the book. And uh, also I will keep putting out on my social media all the companies that are doing uh, discounts for my listeners. But uh, True Athletics, the website is T-R-U-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-X, True Athletics. Um, what do they do? Well, if you're interested in having a If you've got a child who's into sports, um, if you're a student that wants to gain access to college coaches around the globe in a very easy, simple way, they've got you covered. And they can't make it any easier than they do. True Athletics was created to provide a simple and effective way for student athletes to find the right university or college. They help match student athletes with an institution based on their ability and What you have to do is you just go to the website, trueathletics.com, and they just say select a bio, upload your video, select a payment option. See, they even keep the price low because they really want to make this um, available to everyone. And then after that, their scouts will get to you. See, you don't have a salesperson trying to talk you in or trying to upsell you. You select what you want before you talk to anyone. And right now, uh, through the end of April, The, keep the uh, discount I have for you is 50% off whatever package you choose. Uh, use the code STRONG, S-T-R-O-N-G, 2020. That's STRONG2020 at checkout to get 50% off your package, and that's good until the end of April. And thank you very much to Kyle Mayberry. So get to True Athletics, and I'll be sharing all that again. Now, this man, oh, my Lord, he is uh, – author of the best-selling Rick Cahill crime novels. Um, I think he knew, you know, like, Julie, you know, like, you knew as a teenager you were meant to be an artist. You were going to the library. You were going to the museum. You knew there was an artist selling you. I think Matt Coyle, um, I think when he was a teen, his father gives him a, um, The Simple Art of Murder by Raymond Chandler, and I think that pretty much just clicked into him who he was or who was. Yeah who he was at his core, at his soul. So let's welcome him back here. He's got his own cushion here in the genie bottle. I've got it fluffed up nicely for him. And, Julie, if you would just reach over, part the beaded curtain, and welcome in Matt Coyle. Ah, yes. Welcome, Matt. Well, thanks for having me. I guess I should take the mask off now. now that, uh, Or maybe I should keep it on. I'm not sure for six Not sure if we're six feet, six feet apart yet in the uh, behind the curtain. Yes. It's safe. Well, thanks for having me again. It's safe. It, it is a thrill we'll to have you back. It is an absolute delight to have you back. You're always fun. Um, another Rick Cahill. I can't, you know, I can barely keep up. Me too. You, you just, they just come pouring out of you. This is the sixth Rick Cahill hmm. novel? Right, yeah. Lost Tomorrow's is the sixth Rick Cahill novel. It's kind of a, uh, a, a uh, book, I, guess, I, don't, I can't think of the term you call it, but it answers the questions that were asked in uh, book one, Yesterday's Echo. Um, what happened to Rick's wife, uh, which has really the, been the motivating factor in Rick's life uh, before the books were even written. 
it's a backstory to book one, the death of his wife. He was accused of her murder when he was a cop in Santa Barbara. Kicked off the force, uh, arrested, but never tried for the um, crime, but thought to be by many, and particularly the Santa Barbara Police Department, to uh, be a guy who got away with murder. And uh, that's mm-hmm. why. And when this, uh, when Lost Tomorrows opens up, Rick um, finds out that his training officer in Santa Barbara from way back 14 years ago, and really uh, his only friend on the force at the end, has been killed in an apparent hit-and-run car accident. Her sister calls Rick to let him know about the funeral, which is the next day up in Santa Barbara. He's in, Rick's in San Diego. He knows if he goes up there, it'll be a, a church full of cops who hate him and think he got away with murder. But he goes because he thinks it's the right thing to do. When he gets there, the sister asks him to uh, investigate on his own uh, the death because – Finds it hard to believe it was her older sister. She was a hero cop, and she just can't believe that she would die in something as, um, I don't know, unheroic as a hit-and-run car accident. Rick doesn't really want to be in Santa Barbara um, for various obvious reasons, but he decides, well, I'll help her out. There's only one uh, witness to interview. I'll say a day I'll interview the witness, and then I'll go home. We interviews the witness and um, thinks there might be a little something there. And sticks around and finds out that the murder of his ex-partner may be related to the death of his uh, wife. Oh. So there's a summary for you. I guess I'm done. Ah. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know the way back out? No, you're not leaving here. We'll strap you down. <laughs> I will strap you down. You know I will. Oh, okay. Oh. Well, I haven't done that for a while. <laughs> <laughs> this is the last time you were here. So anyway, right. um, yeah. And when I started off, because this is uh, let me let me read the title. I started off with yesterday's echo. Um, right. Trying to read the list. Yesterday's echo. Night tremors. Dark fissures. Blood truth. Wrong light. And lost tomorrows. And when I started off lost tomorrows, and I see that right right off the bat, you know, Rick Cahill. Is going into this thing, you know. He's like, I got to do this. No, I shouldn't do this. Yeah, I got to do this. He knows when he goes there, there will be a definite unwelcoming committee. And I'm thinking, okay, this is the sixth book. Now we're getting to the wife. Is he going to get? I'm I'm not going to tell. But I keep thinking, Matt, is he going to keep chasing the one-armed man or what? Are we going? You're not going to tell us. I did watch the fugitive when I I did watch the fugitive when I was a kid. Um, he's always, he's, he's always chasing something and redemption is actually, uh, the main, his main quest, uh, for whatever responsibility he felt in his wife's murder. But, um, this answers a question, but, um, well, there's always something else that happens to Rick. So I'll just leave it at that. All right. So now you've gotten to know Rick Cahill and we've gotten to know him pretty well by now. Um, you know, I'm on you about this all the time, and especially <laughs> since, well, until about a month and a half ago, um, I was doing a lot of work with, with Netflix. Um, you know, I, I definitely see Rick in, in a series or a film, and I'm always trying to picture out, you know, who do I see playing Rick Cahill? Sometimes I see Matthew McConaughey. Hmm. Well, um <laughs> I'm just, I don't really care about that part right now because I heard that you wanted to put money behind this for Netflix. Is that what I heard out of what you, the question you asked? Oh, yeah. You're ready to finance this for Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, I just got through digging digging it up out of the front yard. (laughs) Well, good. I I can't think of a better investment than in uh, an unknown author's potential series. Um, I've actually, uh, Matthew McConaughey, I had not thought of Matthew McConaughey. I'd certainly be happy with that. Uh, with him, the the guy who always came to mind. Um, this is something that the the woman uh, who ran the writers group I was a part of for man ten years probably. She would be, some of the when we'd have new um, writers that would come into the group, she would ask them that who do you think your protagonist? If, you, if this is a movie, who's your protagonist? And I've never thought of Rick. I don't even know what Rick specifically looks like because I write in first person. I'm always looking outward. Um, his physical characteristics, of course, I know those. But I don't really have a face to him. It's kind of a smudge. Uh, however, when I think about him, when I do um, 
compartmentalize and go to looking at him as uh, a film or, or TV series. The guy that always came to mind for me was uh, Mark Wahlberg. Um, might be a little short, although not to me. Mm. Um, but and a little old now, um, but not to me. Um, because there's something about Mark Wahlberg in the um, in the serious roles he does that I always feel like there's something uh, behind, some backstory, some dark backstory we don't know. It's kind of a simmering uh, darkness back there, which it really I really like, and I think it would work for Rick. But um, you know, nobody's asked me yet. So, and I'm sure if I do get some deal, that mm-hmm. they'll come to me immediately for for casting. I'm sure I'll have a lot of say in that. <laughs> Yeah, that was a joke, I don't by know, the way. Julie. Yeah. Julie, you just oh, yeah. you've gotten to me now. You're gonna to have to take over, Julie. <laughs> no, I, I got that one right away because you know you'll be right on the red carpet at the Oscars, right? <laughs> That's right. Oh yeah. Right. So yeah. You have to work as a co-host because I didn't know I was gonna have to do any work. No, you don't have to work. You just sit. Okay. You just so sit Julie, back you're, in your you got fl- the job. Fluffy cushion. Yeah, Julie. Oh, I, I yeah. got the job. Okay. 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 So, well, I have a question for you, actually, if you'd like, if you want me to throw one sure. out there. Okay. So throw it out so, there, honey. Um, I'm thinking we about Mark Wahlberg earlier. now. So <laughs> I know, right? That's a distraction. Well, between him and uh, Matt McConaughey, if you could get Matt McConaughey yeah. to actually keep his shirt on, that would be part of it. But anyway, <laughs> to not have too much more distraction. But whatever. So, we, um, all have, we all have, sim- the three of us have similar abs. I'll just say that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, wow, well, okay. Well, yeah. I, I can, no right. comment there. Okay. <laughs> so, um, right. earlier, under, Jennifer underneath. and I were, were... Sorry, go ahead. He's not oh, I, I'm sorry. I think I lost <laughs> you there for a second. Okay. All right. I think, I think right. Matt's no, like question? the big brother to stick under the, to the pajama party. All right. I interrupted your question. You had a good question coming up. I apologize. Oh, well, I, I hope it's a good one. But Jennifer and I were talking earlier about um, Slide to Unlock. Is a, you know, it's a love letter to my hometown in some ways, uh, Toledo, Ohio. And, of course, um, growing up in Toledo, I later learned that that was the, also the home of Mildred Wirt Benson, who is the pseudonym for uh, Carolyn Kane, who wrote the Nancy Drew series. Mm-hmm. Right. So my question to you, reading about, uh, you know, the the gift of, of the book from your father, did you, yeah. were you a Hardy Boys fan, or what what kind of mysteries did you read when you were younger? Actually, I did read, I did read the Hardy Boys. Um, yeah. Being a younger brother, my, my brother always got stuff first, so I read it, read them as hand-me-downs, but um, read the Hardy Boys, I read, uh, very young, I read, um, um, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, the uh, Sherlock Holmes. I read Agatha Christie. I think at that mm-hmm. age, you really like the idea that everything is black and white. Bad guys, good guys. It's puzzle pieces. You like to, you like to put the puzzle pieces together, and everything fits at the end. And then, like, I, like in my bio, my father gave me the simple art of murder when I was a young teen. I don't remember specifically the age, but um, and then it wasn't everything. There was some gray. There was some gray there. The puzzle pieces didn't necessarily fit together. When I read that, I realized, um, wow, this is really a different world that I hadn't seen before, and it, it really spoke to me. So once I started reading Chandler, um, you know, he wrote seven novels, but he wrote a lot of short stories. And I started reading Ross McDonald, um, uh, Dashiell Hammett, of course, um, Lawrence Sanders, when I was too young to be reading some of his material. Uh, mm-hmm. I just like the idea of um, the gray in the world and sometimes the bad guys – if they may not win, they don't lose. Um, so that really interests me. So I, I would say that um, Chandler definitely had a big influence on um, where, I, where I went as a writer. Yeah. What did both of you, and I'm, I was going to ask Matt, for, Matt, you've been out a lot with, um, as soon as uh, lately you prestigious um Bookstores, especially indie bookstores and other events. Mm-hmm. Now, what is it like for writers at a time when you can't go out and greet your public to autograph books or answer, do a question, answer, or read to them? Well, what do you do now, Matt? I mean, what's what are you doing differently? 
Well, I I did not get hit too badly. Uh, my Lost Tomorrows came out in December. December is a good good time for book sales, but it's not a great time for um, for touring because after the first week, all the bookstores are more concentrated on Christmas. They don't really want to have to put up with uh, you know having an author come in and all that. So I do. I always do like a half. I do a half in December. I do the other half in January. So I got through most of my book tour. I probably had four or five events canceled. I was the um, Toastmaster for Left Coast Crime in San Diego. Uh, we were probably the last big event in San Diego. We lasted a day. It's a four-day conference after after Thursday. And they kept, the, the, the organizers did a really good job. They were checking with the um, the health department in San Diego. It's, you know, we got this big thing coming up. And you get to, you know, you're, you're running out of hotel. You get to a certain point. You can't, if you don't cancel at a certain day, you're going to eat a lot of money. Um, so... Mm-hmm. After one day, the, the health department said we're shutting everything down, and luckily they were able to work something out with the hotel. But um, so I had a, I was the toastmaster. I was I had a lot of events set up for that that conference, and um, uh, they all went away. But um, I, I haven't been, because of I haven't really been promoting my book heavily online. I, I put some stuff up there. Um, I always on Facebook, which is my uh, social um, medium medium medium. Um, I always post what the writing process, what's going on. Um, Cause I think that readers are interested in that. And uh, you know, I post the, the bad with the good. Uh, so I've been doing that. I, I always uh, share other writers when they have, I, I'm just, I feel badly for writers who've had to launch, you know, when their books have come out in February and, and March and April. And so I always try to, when it, when something comes out for them, I always try to share it. Uh, it won't have you, but um, I've just, I've just been my normal um, semi-active self still pictures of my dog Angus on uh, the couch doing his couch <laughs> yoga. But um, I haven't, I, I was, I was fortunate. The timing for me was pretty fortunate. I didn't get hurt too badly. Um, I know there's, a, I know people are really getting active and smart, especially musicians on social media. And um, I've thought about doing a little more. Um, in fact, I've got something coming up in a couple of weeks that's been postponed because of uh, illness for somebody who's putting it on in their family, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I thought about mm. doing a reading or something, um, but I'd have to learn how to do FaceTime, but uh, I, I intend to do that. So no one's asked you to do Zoom or anything like that either? Or FaceTime? Well, there is a, there's, there's a bunch of uh, mystery writers that have been doing Zoom on Friday afternoons, and the timing hasn't worked for me. Mm-hmm. And then I realized when you do Zoom, they put, you, they put you like a Brady Bunch picture up there. Everybody's looking at each other on the screen. <laughs> And uh, yes. I, with, with the coronavirus, I was, when, the, when there was a run on toilet paper early, I had a concern that that would, that would the next would be a run on ice cream. So I've been hoarding and eating <gasps> ice cream um, because I don't want it to run out. If I, if I have it, if I'm able to Ooh. continue to consume it, then it won't run out. So I don't think I'm really um, Brady Bunch uh, square ready at this point. So I, I kind of avoid Zoom. <laughs> You know, I, I, what what weekend? What were the dates rather on the uh, on that left coast event you were? Left coast was March. It was like around March twelfth, I think, was the uh, Thursday. It was probably the the best okay. one day conference in the history of conferences. Yeah, but they shut us down, mm. um, and people yeah, put so much effort yeah, into it. We, it's really a sad thing. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You can't do anything. Yeah, right. Well, the week before that, I was in Tucson for uh, Wild Wild West Con, which is a Western-themed steampunk oh. convention held at Old Town Tucson. Oh, wow. And um, <laughs> yeah, who knew when we left that when we turned the clocks forward, we were going out of our little Old West steampunk town into the Twilight Zone that same week, you know, as soon as right. we flew out. But uh, I was asked to speak to a group of graduating uh, public relations uh, students, seniors, actually the graduating seniors class at um, wow. Clark Atlanta University earlier this week, and it said Zoom, and I just, and it was a woman that, that their, their professor hired me to work with her a few years ago on stuff for HBO documentaries and so forth, and mm-hmm. she said, oh, come on, do Zoom, you can do it, it's easy, yada, yada, and I'm thinking, okay, at the steampunk thing, I would have been fine, but we were all in costumes and masks, so, you know, I just, <laughs> I don't, so that's what I did, I pulled out a costume, you know, I just made a, 
I made my mask out of part of a prom dress or something. So I thought, I'm not going out like regular stuff, right. you know. Um, but, yeah, yeah, you're right. It was like that Brady Bunch. I wasn't um, getting, are they looking at me like, God, is she for real? But at least it kept them. <laughs> I figured they'd always remember that strange. Who was that strange-looking woman with the, right. with the glitter mask? But anyway, uh, yeah, and Julie, you've done some um, events like that reading lately, haven't you? Yes, absolutely. Well, it, it's interesting that you say March 12th because that was the uh, the official book birthday for Slide Sunlock. Um, oh, and wow. I originally had, oh, okay. Yeah. I originally had a, a huge launch party planned for Atlanta um, that was going to be a benefit uh, also for Lost and Found Youth, which is an organization that's working to end homelessness in the LGBTIQ plus community. Um, and, you know, it was just a very theatrical, non-traditional type of book release launch event, and we were so excited about it. And as, as it kept getting closer and closer, I eventually said, mm, we, we can't we can't go ahead and do this. So um, I have right. been absolutely gobsmacked by the poetry community and by um, so many people that have reached out and, you know, um, started initiatives to find ways to get the word out about books and poems. And it, it's just blown me away. Um, you know, I've done a few Zoom readings, even with other presses um, that kind of want to amplify new books that are coming out. But there are also great things happening. And I mentioned um, the series that Kai Coggan does on Wednesday nights called Wednesday Night Poetry, which has been great. There's also uh, Tara Skirtu, I believe is how you say her name, started a initiative called International Poetry Circle, where she's asking everyone um, to record a video reading your poem or someone else's, um, and it's under the hashtag International Poetry Circle, which has been fantastic, and she's getting people from all across the world um, to record poems. And then uh, Dustin Brookshire also just started up um, uh, something called the Wild and Precious Life Poetry Series, which is um, it comes from you know the Mary Oliver poems. And, you know, that's just been a great uh, way to get community going and, and solidarity. And he's had about three or four poets on every night. So, you know, all kinds of things happening. Um, I, 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 and I've just been really, um, like I said, grateful and, and heartened by how generous people have been and, and how thoughtful they've been. Um, also, uh, Rosebud Ben-Ami at uh, Kenyon Review um, set up a a, a blog where um, she asked people to write um, reviews of new books coming out, and then she's posting those reviews there, so that's getting the word out in a completely different way. Um, and then also the KGB um, reading series that takes place in New York City um, has converted to going to Zoom. Um, so I read with them last week, and that was just a fantastic experience. So all kinds of things. I mean, it's just such a transitional uh, time, I think, for everybody. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I also, you sound pretty busy still. A um, couple of things, <laughs> yes, Matt, and this is something I, uh, yeah, you, you're not slacking. Uh, some fun things that I've seen on your <laughs> calendar, Matt. And by the way, we talked about Christmas. I had a client decided to publish her book at just before Thanksgiving and then decided to hire a publicist. So it's like, I'm watching, what, we're going into this Thanksgiving for Christmas? And you expect me to, uh, okay, you know, I'll do it. So uh, one thing I set up for her, because it was Christmas time with stuff at wine bars, and I said, just take your sister, cut pieces of paper that are the exact size needed to wrap, gift wrap the book, and I put it in the paper and said, hey, take a load off, have a glass of Chardonnay or whatever, a mojito, well, uh, you knock a few names off your list, and they'll be gift wrapped before you leave. So that way, people get three or four nice. gifts wrapped, have a cocktail, yeah. go on. Which re- makes me want to ask you a question, Matt Coyle. Yes. That sounds like yes, that's also Nancy Grace because you know she always gives everybody the full name of what they do when she talks to them. Matt Coyle, crime novelist. I see on your website where it says events. <laughs> 300 points Monday, February 3rd at the Fairmont Miramar Hotel on Wilshire a bedside reading book signing and cocktail party oh my gosh and that was in February Julie right. and I would have gone 
What? Tell me about this bedside <laughs> reading. Were you in like a, a he, were you like in a Hugh Hefner pajamas and robe or what? Yeah, I just uh, rented a room and got in bed and had people come in. Um, no, bedside reading. Speaking <laughs> of publicity, is uh, the brainchild of uh, Jane Ubel Meyer, who's uh, a woman I met at um, uh, BoucherCon. I don't remember which BoucherCon it was. Oh, it's BoucherCon in St. Petersburg, which BoucherCon is the biggest mystery uh, conference in the States or the world, actually. Mm-hmm. So a couple of years ago, I met her. Her idea is uh, with bedside reading <clears throat> is um, you go to four- and five-star hotels that you have the publisher, if they're so inclined, uh, donate a couple hundred books, perhaps. And so it, it, it's a freebie, and it's got there's a little um, plaque that says to the um, guests, you know, uh, congratulations, you're able to take this book home. The idea is it builds word of mouth, and uh, occasionally there's signings at the um, at the uh, hotels, and that was that was a, a beautiful beautiful uh, hotel. I, I had a view of the beach up in Santa Monica. A lot of fun, great mm. people. The hotel were great people, and uh, it really was, uh, and we ended up actually, we ended up selling books there uh, to people who were coming in just for the signing, and it was really uh, successful Great event. It, like you said, it was early February, and I was just talking to, uh, to Jane the other day. <laughs> I was wondering, I wonder if, uh, like, we were in the middle of, maybe we were partially responsible for the coronavirus spreading because we're in a pretty international <laughs> hotel when nobody really knows what was going on. You know, there was, like, hints and stuff and shaking about a million hands. And I ended up getting a cold a couple of weeks later, but I think I came from somewhere else. Um, so I think, I think I should, I need the test so they can check my, um, see if I can give platelets or something. If I'm, oh, that would be good. But I, 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 I don't know where the testing. Yeah. So that's a side. I don't know what, what, uh, how that answers your question, but it's a great event. I recognize, uh, recommend bedside reading for anybody. You can find Jane on her website. Yeah. Really great hotel too. Great, great time. Oh, Jane, Jane is part of the Fairmont Hotel, or she work with you? No, she's a uh, bedside the reading. Publisher. She's bedside reading. She, no, she's bedside, bedside reading. It's a separate oh, entity, yeah. I will definitely look at Bird, okay. Now this jogs my memory. I've heard of it. Maybe I heard of her through you, but I've definitely heard of this, and this Could is be, fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah I can see that happening. Uh, that's that's a magnificent type of event. Uh yeah, and we all as, do as get the in bed, always the authors get in the bed, and they take a picture of the authors of their books in bed, fully drugged, fully clothed, oh. unfortunately. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Great. <laughs> I like it. I like that. That stays with you. I'm oh, sorry, Julie, you had another question you wanted to ask, or did I interrupt you? Oh, no, no, no. I was just, I was just uh, imagining how that would go with poetry. <laughs> it might be an entirely different world. So. <laughs> Huh? Just, just a bed and books. I think it would work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it all works, honey. Uh, okay, so both of you, let me ask you, um, what's next? Let me start with with, with Mag as we brought him in here. Matt, what's next for you? What's next for Rick Cahill? Are you going to keep on? Um, I know, you, I know, don't want you to, because I haven't finished Lost Tomorrows because my husband grabbed it first when he got when I got it. But um, God bless him. You got uh, well. There's, a, there, there's a, I won't say I won't give you specifics, but there's a seventh book I turned in um, in November that comes out in December of this year. I'm writing the eighth book right now, which will come out hopefully in um, uh, maybe October of 21. Let's see, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so I'm writing just, my eighth book right just, now. Uh, you're such a so, so prolific. Um, uh, are the ideas? Are you just barely keeping up with your ideas and the time to write them down, or uh, is it just Rick is just? Uh-huh. I hear people talk about their characters uh-huh. become real and tell them what's happening. Is that what? what right. goes? Well, I, you know, it took me ten years to get published, so I've been writing Rick for about eighteen or nineteen years. So there's only six books out. Um, however, mm-hmm. um, the book that I'm writing now, which won't be the one coming out in December, but will be coming out next year. Um, I had the subplot. I had. This, I knew exactly what I wanted for the major subplot. There's always a major subplot in the books I write. Um, and I had an idea for the through-line plot, 
a plot, but I didn't really um, have it nailed down. And I, I don't outline a pretty much uh, blank page or, or uh, pants, pants, uh, pantser, as they say. Um, but for some reason, I kind of didn't trust my um, process this time. It took me a long time to get started to just realize it's okay if you don't have it figured out. You just got to write. And, and like you said, the, the, the characters will lead me. And once I finally figure that out, um, I still don't know what's, ha- what's going to happen at the end of the book. I mean, I've got the subplot figured out. But um, the characters are leading me, and that, that's where I want to be. So it took me a while to get into it. But now I'm, uh, I'm where I need to be. I'm churning out words a day. Great. So. Um, yeah, good. I'm glad oh. you're keeping it up because it's, you know that's the worst thing when somebody hooks you onto a character and you're going, "Give me more, give me more." <laughs> There's more. Oh, oh, I did have I did have another question if I could jump in. Um, Matt, I was right, wondering if you sure. about your your Crime Corner podcast. Oh, thanks. Yeah, you know I haven't done I, it's something yeah. I do about every. Uh, it's on blog uh, blog talk radio. It's something I do about generally every two weeks. It's been on a bit of a hiatus because it was taking me um, a long time to get this book started. And I'm trying to finish this book in about eight months as opposed to 12 months. So um, I haven't had, I haven't had a guest for maybe over a month. Um, I will start up again in a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's a, it's a, um, obviously um, Jennifer knows Pam Stack and she, I used to call in and she interviewed me and I, I used to call in and when friends were on, I used to call in and ask questions because I wanted to know somebody was listening. And there's a lot of people listening, but people don't call in. So um, I guess I called in and bothered her so much that she ended up just saying, Hey, you want to do a show? And so she gave me one. It's been about three years now. And it's been great because I've been able to interview a lot of friends. I've been able to interview some of the, my absolute inspirations in, in mystery mm-hmm. and uh, even some true crime, which I really like. So it's been, and I've even interviewed fans of mystery. It's been a lot of fun. Um, however, like yeah. I said, it does, you know, when you're, when you're having authors on, you got to read the books. I also happen to be um, judging for a contest right now. So there's a lot of reading there and it's really coming down in nitty gritty. So um, I like to be in, informed when I'm uh, as Jennifer knows when I'm interviewing the guests. So I, I, I'm able to push it off a little bit when I need to. And that's where I am right now, but thanks for asking. Appreciate that, Julie. Oh yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. No, and I know Pam. Pam. Pam Stagg did not ask you because she so because she was getting annoyed. She knows talent. She she's a fantastic woman. She she's a lady that makes things happen for people. And I just she really does. She is great. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Well, so folks, I have just been so uh, thrilled. This is this has flown by for me. Uh, so excited tonight to have crime writer Matt Coyle and poet Julie E. Blomicky, and have you right here in the Genie Bottle. I, again, you make me feel like the luckiest girl in the world. Um, and also, <laughs> Pat, I have a message from Pat in uh, Missouri, and she says, this has been a great show. I'm glad you let me know about it. Well, thank you, Pat, because I tested it out. Oh. Uh, I mean, I sent the messages out. And uh, thank you, Pat. Um, and it's just been a thrill to have you both here. I will be sharing the social media contacts and the web pages for websites for Matt Cole and Julie E. Blomicky on all of my social media. So for people that sometimes will say I was writing, I was driving, was listening, I didn't have time to write it down, don't worry about it. I'll be putting it out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and um, anything else I can find. Maybe, maybe if I get to the gas station again, I'll write it on the side of the pump. You know, both your books and websites, okay? <laughs> well, Jennifer, um, and, uh, I didn't, Jennifer, I didn't, I'm sorry, Jennifer, I didn't, tell, I didn't ask about this earlier, but if you want to find some way for me to give away a book, I'll give away a copy of Lost Tomorrows if you want to somehow do that with your followers. That'd be, that'd be cool. But if you really? That's yeah. Cool. yeah okay, that, so. okay. So everybody that's listening, everybody that's listening right now, Pat Browning in Missouri, everybody else, <laughs> message me if you want to win a copy of Lost Tomorrows. And uh, let's see. <laughs> Who else? Okay. All right. All right. I'm seeing these people. I know it's not like I'm, I'm got dissociative identity disorder, but actually people are messaging through. Yeah, yeah, me, me. Okay, just send me the message and I'll let you know, <laughs> and I'll make sure that I'll have somebody else, a third, you know, party, draw the winner. And uh, thank you very much, Matt, for for offering that again. You did that before when you were on. I really appreciated that. Sure. Um, Thanks for having me. And. Uh, Jennifer, okay. I'll be happy to do the same if you would like. So, 
for Slide to Unlock. Sweet. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. And I am, Slide I to am Unlock. Also, uh, yes. So there, you'll have poetry in the mix, too. And then I, I've actually made um, bookmarks out of vintage skeleton keys. So I'll include one of those as well. Very you'll cool. have the book and okay, the bookmark. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you guys. You're so I'm not the luckiest luckiest gal or what. Thank you very, very much. I'm very humble. Uh by by and appreciative of your generosity. So Yeah. I had bookmarks uh cardboard, which I will include. (laughs) (laughs) What was that, Matt? I had bookmarks made out of cardboard, which I will include. So Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, (laughs) <laughs> oh, I thought you used to use park. Didn't you use parking tickets before? Well, anyway, and get my way with the book. <laughs> anyway, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. And hey, we'll be back uh, see, uh, Thursday with James Musgrave. Don Mose, Ralph Mouth from uh, Happy Days will be here the next Thursday, mm. the 29th. And this is Madam Perry Salon. Now, here's oh. my song, Everybody's Got a Swing. If you want a copy of my CD, let me know. I'll send it to you. And if you don't like swing, hey, they make great coasters or cat toys, okay? Goodbye. So uh, here it goes. Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.